0: Toy Lines Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Romero. And with me is Ian Mustafa. Ian, we have a very unique storyteller. There are some people that can just give you a whole magical experience with a still image. This gentleman that we have as a guest today is such a magician. If you know I could be so bold and call him that. Mitchell Wu, toy photographer extraordinaire, and I believe he was the guest of honor last year at Toy Fair. Is that correct?
1: Uh, Yes, I was brought in to speak at Toy Fair as well as cut the ribbon to kind of kick off Toy Fair, which was really amazing. I mean, it was was so unexpected to be invited for those two things. And I was up there on stage with Shaquille O'Neal, which was like, who would ever think that would happen? (laughs) And and you never really, I mean, I'm not a tall person, but you really feel like almost like lego size figure when you're standing next to Shaq. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. So, Mr. Mitchell Wu, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes.
2: Thank you very much, yeah.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. I
2: um, appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. Yeah, I've been following you ever, ever since Toy Fair. It was first when Tom and I saw your gallery, and it was every picture, it was just like, Oh, this is so cool and then every time i was like going like who is this guy and then finally I, i started the nameplate so i took a picture of your nameplate and i went home to look up to look up your look you up so your website and i was like oh wow i was just blown still am to this day because i follow you on instagram and your your pictures are just incredible like i liken them to uh what Indiana Jones says they belong in the museum. They're, they're excellent. I, I love your work. And which is also really cool Is I, I would just leave a message like, Oh, I really like the shot or something. And you would always take the time to comment back, which I think was so cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you here
1: today. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. The, the exhibit at toy fair was, you know, the, it was fun. It was great. The two months leading up to toy fair was probably the most stressful the hardest two months of my career, maybe my life. Um, but when when it was all said and done, because I was prepping for the show, that exhibit right. that you that you mentioned, I was prepping for the talk that I was going to give, which was, I don't know, it was like 35 or 40 minutes long. And I had a couple other things going on at Toy Fair as well. So. You were interviewed for the Marvel 616 thing? Uh, the Marvel 616 documentary, 616. They, yeah. they kind of followed me around to the yeah. show and, That's cool. and got my reactions to the exhibit. But I was also there for a company called Schleich. They, mm-hmm. they do the dinosaurs and animals and creatures. And I actually had a, a, they set up a booth for me on the main floor of the lobby. And I, it was basically like a little studio where I was giving live demos on toy photography uh, cool. and showing how I did some of the effects. But after those two months, which were again, like super, super stressful and difficult, it, it was probably the most amazing week that I had, um, which included Toy Fair and just kind of doing different things at Toy Fair. Um, and I, I don't know if I can top that. It was just incredible and so satisfying personally to me. Um, yeah, it was was such a, it was a great experience. It was amazing.
2: How how did you decide what photos to bring for you for the gallery? Which ones to choose?
1: It got a little easier when they didn't put a cap on it. And so I ended up at seven, it was literally like 70 images. So it wasn't like I had to choose 10, which would have been hard. So I really wanted to show kind of a a, kind of a variety of the type of work I do, which included a variety of toys, a variety of storytelling. Some would be more humorous and show the wackier side of my um, personality, and some might be more action oriented. So I just wanted a good slice of uh, what I do to show anybody who was walking through that gallery. And I realized also that it was probably a lot of people's first time seeing toy photography yeah you know as a toy photographer kind of always being on instagram you take it for granted that you know toy photography is a thing because everybody around you is a toy photographer and everybody's commenting on each other's work but literally i could walk down the street and here in los angeles and if somebody asked me what i do i'd say oh i'm a toy photographer and probably the first thing they'll think is this is a guy who probably." takes photos of toys in front of white backgrounds for catalogs or, you know, for Amazon or whatever it is. It's actually really interesting on how many people have not seen, like, creative storytelling toy photography.
2: You've used the word, like, story a lot in interviews when it comes to your photos. And what I always find interesting, like, when I look at your work, it has somehow you capture that moment and it makes me think of like a stop motion movie and there's this one frame that perfect key frame that is the heart of that that scene and that's what your your shots remind me of it's just like this perfect image and and, it literally gets the story across i remember seeing one where um it was three P O trying to look up, uh, lift up Thor's hammer Mjolnir, and his arms fell off. And it was just the, the perfect, like you didn't need to like, you you knew right away what the story was. Um, it was humorous. It was it was a great picture, and to get the story ac- across
1: in a photo, how I guess how difficult is that? Uh, the difficult part is is coming up with the story. You know, when I first started shooting toys, what was probably August of 2015, I would have like, there's a park nearby that, like it could pass as tattooing. I mean, it's just an amazing park. And so I would go there and I would already have a like a list, a piece of paper with like 10 ideas that I wanted to do when I was at this park. And I would probably get like seven or eight of them done that I'd head home and edit them. And that was, and I don't know if that, there were just... Because I was new, there are more stories to be told, and I've told like so many that they're harder to come up with, or <laughs> perhaps I just wasn't as focused on storytelling back then. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's a little of both. But now, like for myself, I find that having something to say through my images is like the most challenging thing, and it's not impossible, obviously. And that's that's a big part of what drives me. They just don't come like like see. snap, snap, snap. Like I really. There's certain things where I, I kind of mine my stories from and like a big one, a big one where I get a lot of my ideas is trying to show characters in an unexpected way. So, for example, for example, like Darth Vader, we all know that he's like a villain and we know everything about him. Basically, what the creators want us to know is what we know. Like we were basically force fed what we're what we're supposed to feel about this character. So we all know what Darth Vader's like. So I like to kind of take that approach and look at perhaps the unknown side of Darth Vader. And so when I start to do that, a lot of ideas will open up like, you know, is he always evil or is there a lighter side to him? And so the, when, when you start to look at characters like that, whether it's Darth Vader or somebody from the Marvel universe, I think there's a lot of fun things that can happen through that.
0: Now, do you have a overall story or commonality to all your photos?
1: or is it just each individual story self-contained? Yeah, I mean, it's they're all self-contained. I don't think there's a common thread except that you know, maybe my personality after a while. I think part of part of what you want to do in any art is to create a style for yourself. and that's the only way that you can begin to stand out and have a have a unique voice is through one way is through your style and storytelling is part of that style. And again, part of my, part of the style that I kind of embrace is humor, uh, showing characters in unexpected ways. Just saying those types of things through toy photography in general, as kind of a common theme, I think begins to create a style for a person. Other styles that I've seen other toy photographers have is more action oriented. So there's a lot of really cool practical effects or digital effects, or they may deal with lighting. There's different ways to create a style. I like to create mine through kind of the things I have to say through my images. And where are you from? I was born in, in Salt Lake City, which I rarely, rarely tell anybody just because I only lived there for two weeks. And <laughs> then we moved to, my dad got his, uh, I don't know, doctorate or PhD from a university in Utah. And then he got a job in San Francisco teaching. So we moved to Daly City, which is just outside of San Francisco. I grew up there. I went to art school in Oakland, just across the bay. And I've always lived in California, except for those first two weeks. So now I'm in Los Angeles. So, yeah.
2: I, I, I shot an interview. Uh, I think it was Behind the Shot, which was a great interview. Yeah, it was fun. He, he was uh, just, he covered all the technical stuff. It was just really interesting. But you, you had worked Disney for Disney, and they moved you some, closer somewhere? Yeah, that's
1: right. I mean, that's why we're in LA. It's like, I was, I was uh, so I have a degree in illustration. That's what I got my degree in, in, in art school. And somehow I ended up almost immediately in in product design and product development. And it was through that path, I lived in Asia. I was in my 20s, I lived in Taiwan and worked in Taiwan for an American company and still doing product design and product development, but with a lot of experience working with sculptors in Asia and the factories, so learning that side of it. Wow. Um, I came back here to Northern California and I was freelancing, uh, but it was that background was interesting to Disney. And so I was contacted by a recruiter and they basically moved me down in 95. And we've been here ever since. Yeah, Disney was as far as jobs go. And I consider a job like as an employee, by far the best job I ever had. Amazing company. Yeah, we were like a small little company. Again, it was product design, product development. And we were doing these, we call them frozen moments. And basically they were ceramic sculpture is really intricate and beautiful like if you were watching a movie and you saw a key moment and you hit the pause button we were taking that moment right. and basically transforming it into a 3d sculpture cool so it did was a, uh, uh, yeah i mean we did them from almost all the movies all the oh, animated yeah. movies we did a lot of classics but then we started doing more contemporary movies as well That's cool. i was brought in in 95 and it was after lion king came out and they were the Walt Disney Company, they had never had such a huge hit from an animated movie, so they were flush with cash. And so they went on a huge hiring spree and I was part of that hiring spree. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. Instead of going to Taiwan for all the product there, by then things had shifted to Thailand. So I spent a lot of time in Thailand working with the factories and the sculptors. Overall, an amazing experience and a, a great company. I have nothing negative to say about Disney. They were amazing.
2: Nice, that's, that's really cool. I love Disney, I'm a huge fan. That's where I, I met my wife working in the store. Um, oh, you did? Yeah, we, yeah, we were both working in the Disney store, so we met. So, yeah, we, we love it. And then, what year was that? Uh, that was uh, '97.
1: So, uh, you, you saw my product there. It, it was the Walt uh, Disney Classics Collection, it was oh, like
2: the,
1: they were yeah. the beautiful ceramic sculptures. Which
2: ones did you one do? Of our
1: main, one of our main distribution outlets was the Disney store. So, yeah, those classic pieces are great. Yeah, they're yeah. beautiful.
2: Yeah, yeah was, uh, it's a shame. they uh, It's a shame they stopped them. They were just like, top quality stuff. They were just
1: like, gorgeous. There's some like, there's, I won't go into the huge background, but there's just some business strategies that they had in house as far as limited editions. And I think they just made too many products. You know, there was a yeah. there was a like a cachet to there's supposed to be a cachet to collectibles, right? You know, they're supposed to be hard to get a lot of times, but the line did really well and once they saw that they just wanted to do more so right. that was yeah. kind of like the beginning of the end for that line now what toys uh, did you play with growing up i grew up playing with a lot of gi joe's hot wheels matchbox i had this toy called he was called major Matson. he was like uh mm-hmm. you know which one that he, is he's like yeah he's an astronaut yeah he's an astronaut and he was like when he was kind of like constructed the same way Gumby is constructed, where he's like rubberized and he has wire inside. Right. So like it wasn't joints or anything. It was just wire. So you'd bend it. And I remember you'd, you'd play with those things so much that the wires would start to poke through and it always right. would draw blood after a day of play. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, those wires would start sticking sticking through the rubber. It's like, oh, my God, they're like needles, basically. So I grew up in Daly City and my dad still lives in the house I grew up with. And we had we had a big yard and we had a lot of pine trees in the backyard. And my best friend lived around the corner up the street. So like half a block away on the next street over. And I literally could climb my trees in the backyard and get to his house without once touching the ground. Wow. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. So I was always either playing in the trees, playing in the dirt, always had the toys out in the dirt. And then like, you know. I grew up in the 60s and the 70s and we'd go on these long road trips. I had two brothers and if I was lucky, I'd get in the back of the, I'd get the back of the station wagon, right? There was no seatbelts back then. I'd be sure. in the back of the, wow. seat, of the yeah. station wagon and I'd have the sleeping bags or the blankets and the pillows laid out back there to have my toys. And you know, when you're back there and you're a kid, you're just like your imagination just takes over. So like the the folds of the blanket became like like crazy waves in the ocean or maybe the sleeping bag formed a deep cave where there was like monsters to be feared or monsters to be fought. And now when I look back at those days, I kind of, I realized that I basically traded in the back of that station wagon for the photo studio because I'm, I have that same sense of imagination, that same sense of play doing what I do right now, and st- but I'm just doing it like, and when I say studio, I don't really have a formal studio. I'm shooting either on my porch or on my kitchen table or around somewhere in the house Mm -hmm. or in the backyard. So it's kind of full circle. It's been a really interesting journey where I'm back to playing with toys again, basically.
2: Do you still have your your toys from from being a kid? I have have the one
1: that still draws blood. (laughs) (laughs) I have that major Mattson, and I still have some of the old Hot Wheels. And I have a lot of old games that I used to have back then. Nice. I still have, yeah. I was hoping one day they'd be wow. worth a fortune. You go on the eBay and check them out, and it's like, oh, you could buy this for twelve dollars. Like, oh, <laughs> man. Do you
0: ever think about taking pictures of those
1: at their age? Uh, I, actually, if you go way back into my, um, way back into my early Instagram days, I have a picture. I have a couple pictures of this Martian that I took, and he's one of yeah. my childhood toys. Yeah, cool. yeah. Actually, he's a pretty cool little toy, and he's also bendable with the wire inside yeah now you do a lot of star wars stuff is that your favorite or you just gravitate to those figures now it's definitely not my favorite i do and i've seen all the movies i have like a box set of dvds or blu-rays that we'll watch but i'm not by any stretch of the imagination like a hardcore fan and i could like i remember one time i did an image of boba fett and he was like the tentacles were around him from this. Is it the sarlacc? I think. Yeah, yeah. And except it wasn't the sarlacc. It was just these like these finger tentacles that you could buy like for really cheap at the store. And but the image was cool. I love the image. But of course, I had some hardcore fan come and <laughs> tell me they didn't have the suction cups. Basically, right. <laughs> so I said okay. <laughs> but I do love. I do love the action figures. And I do love the stories that I can create from those toys. And usually I'm not like a recreationist from a from the movies, from any of the movies, Toy Story, or whatever, but the toys do inspire the stories that I tell. So like the current the current latest image on my Instagram is of the little green man from Toy Story, and he's yes. got a lightsaber and he's yeah. about to battle these stormtroopers. So that's that's more of how I use like the stormtroopers in my stories. Oh, I love the one that you did of um the skillet and the stormtroopers are
2: like the popcorn pop it in the air. Yes. I love that picture. That is great.
1: It's it's order six was it order what's sixty what's order order sixty six was what uh yeah. Yeah. So the caption was order sixty six <laughs> is up or something like that.
2: <laughs> I did have a question about your uh you did one for Toy Fair which is on one of the magazines of The Mandalorian. Yes. And it was um he was throwing the child in the air
1: right so
2: did you see the show by then like he was so enough to catch him just for
1: those listening um did you had you seen the show by then yeah I'd, I'd seen what how, however many episodes were released up to, I think probably all right. of them were out by then I think and so, I had yeah. seen, it, and I loved the show, yeah, the show was great. Season two. Yeah. yeah it's just um they're just light and so much fun and my friend is just his name is Ming-Na. If you, if you saw her in that oh, episode, yeah, okay. yeah, cool. So it's cool seeing her in it. And one of her dreams was always to be like in a star Wars movie. So this is pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. 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 That image was very last second. It was for a magazine called the pop insider. And as you probably know, the baby Yoda toys took forever to come out. They weren't available yeah. at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So, but luckily Hasbro was able to send me like the one prototype that they had they sent me uh, the mandalorian as well and so that's where the shot came from and the shot for me was the story was you know as we saw the relationship develop between the mandalorian and baby yoda it went from mando really didn't want much to do with him he was more of a protector but then as the series went on you could see like you could start to see an emotional bond between them yeah. and it went beyond protector And I saw it as more of like a becoming more of a father and child kind of relationship. So the, the pose that you're the magazine cover shows Mando laying on the ground and tossing baby Yoda up in the air, much like, you know, you might do with an infant or something. Yeah. And
2: catch him And exactly. Exactly.
1: Now, do you uh, play with your figures before you come
0: up with a story or is there like a, like a meditation moment where you're like, Oh, I can
1: do this with this guy. And, create this emotion? Sometimes it's both. Sometimes I will just take out an action figure, or if I have a new action figure, I'll just like keep it on my desk. Or if I'm watching TV, I'll just kind of like pose it in different ways. And sometimes stories can come out of that. But more often than not, it's it's driven from just something that I came up with in my head. And that kind of drives. Perhaps I come up with an idea before I know which action figure or toy I'm going to use with it. And then I'll Mm -hmm. look at the toys and see which one fits best with it. So yeah, it could come from different things and that would be one of them.
2: Do you ever like draw a thumbnail of
1: of what you want it to exactly look like or? Rarely, but for my personal work, rarely, a lot of it, in fact, a lot of it will be worked out on the porch, like, or in the backyard or wherever I'm setting it up, I'll work out the exact angles. What other characters or the environment's going to be like, those were worked out there. But when I'm doing client work many times, if not all, I'm submitting a concept sketch for approval. And I do pretty much specify that this, once the concept sketch is approved, that any changes after photography, it's not easy to do basically, because once I've taken the shot and if there's a change that comes after the fact, then I have to basically reset everything up and reshoot it. If it's a small change, maybe I can tweak it in Photoshop, like move something around. But if it's a major change then it needs to be redone. So that's why I specify it needs to be approved at the concept stage. Right how did you make the transition from like a, a wedding photographer into toys? It wasn't is, as, as, it wasn't difficult for some reason. It was like, um, you know, the main reason which you probably may have heard was that my kid was 15. She was going to high school and I couldn't shoot weddings anymore because they take their weekends. They kill the weekends basically. Yeah. Um, so I knew, I knew my last wedding was going to be in 2015. And so it was just amazing that, Toy Photography came along at the same time. My nephew, Johnny, he introduced it to me, and I saw the opportunities and how amazing it was immediately, With almost like with the first click of the shutter. And I had all the equipment from, from when I was a wedding photographer, most of the equipment, and I had none of the toys. So I think I've approached toy photography kind of in an atypical way, which is most toy photographers are toy enthusiasts or toy collectors first and they discover, you know, they go onto Instagram, mm-hmm. and they see that other people are taking photos of their toys in a more creative way, in a really creative way. And so they have the toys, but they need to slowly build up their, you know, their camera gear or whatever they're shooting. You could just do it with a cell phone forever if you wanted to, because right. they could be amazing. That's how most toy photographers approached it, or how they got into toy photography. I kind of had a good, I obviously had a very good foundation of photography. I had a lot of the equipment. The one thing that I didn't that needed to be adapted to toy photography was the lighting because for weddings I was using the flash or the speed light and I have a lot of those but they were just I tried it with toy photography but it was just overkill because Mm -hmm. it was just too much for a small set or a small toy so to have small I use Lytra lights and they're just they're very small they're very controllable and they just open up so many opportunities of, for creativity. So just that was the one thing that I really had to adjust was my lighting. Are those are the ones
2: that kind of like um, you can bend the, the sort of the neck of the lamp into a certain position so you can get that angle of the lighting.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is from another company called okay. platypod, but it's basically just the gooseneck. Oh, and gooseneck then okay. with with the right um, screw attachment on the end and you could screw in the lights, but it, it the lights are cool because they have their the smaller ones are called torches. They have they're magnetic. So you can like I did this one shot of um Gilman from The Creature of the Black Lagoon. Oh, I remember that shot. Yeah. So it was cool. It was this is a this was where the lights actually kind of pushed me to to do something different than I usually do because they were waterproof and they have magnets on them. So I was able to put the lights under the water, attach to these little pieces of sheet metal so I could angle them up towards the creature and they basically drove that shot so it was really cool yeah i mean it was it was fun so it's a case of the equipment actually kind of letting me kind of take my images to the next level so that when you ever you could find equipment like that that's pretty cool
2: so speaking of so that shot so i remember um i think you did a behind the scenes on it i did you know, yeah and there was like it was set up as a i think there was like a, like a black bag and you had the water in it and you were showing how you set up the light so when it comes to like when you build your sets, did you build dioramas as a kid or did you just, did it take you a not while really. to learn how to build these or like, cause your sets are excellent?
1: Thanks. You know, I see a lot of like diorama set builders on Instagram. There's some right. incredible ones and I don't even consider what I do that. I do build like environments to kind right. of fit the story that I want to tell. And that probably just goes back to the way I used to play when I was a kid, to your point. Like, I'm not, I'm not carving, at least not yet. I'm not carving foam sets of buildings and brickwork. There's just incredible artisans that are doing that right now that, and they're selling their work to toy photographers and the images look amazing. I haven't done that yet. I'm I'm trying to like use the sets that I can kind of create for myself environmentally or around the house and kind of let that, let the still retain the focus on the action figures or the toys that i'm using to tell the story so it's like an independent filmmaker kind of using what you got in a way pretty much yeah exactly Uh, when you have a story you want to tell you just try to figure out the best way to tell that whether and and that's through lighting that's through the posing of the toys that's through the props and that's through the environment that you set up
2: and all your shots are done um practically like Or in camera, so to speak, where like there's wires or sticks holding the figures or done like that. Um you use a computer mostly for like erasing the wires and stuff like that?
1: For the most part, yes. Photoshop is is generally used to remove things and not put things in. But you know, I did that shot of the little the Toy Story Little Green Man against the Stormtroopers. You can see I had to digitally digitally create the lightsaber.
2: Okay. You know, the saber
1: part, the glow. There's people who There's all kinds of like discussions and different camps on Photoshop versus totally practical. And I just think it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, just do whatever it takes to tell the story that you want to tell. Yeah. And what, what you enjoy doing and, and just do it, Yeah, (laughs) you know, there's no judgments. If you want to create an image all digitally, More power to you, you know. If you just if you don't want to do it and you want to do it all practically and have the wires hidden so you don't have to even touch Photoshop, more power to you. You know, I just do whatever I need to do to to, get the job done. Try to make the the coolest image possible. I've asked you this on
2: Instagram and you told me to wait for the interview, Mitchell. So (laughs) I, I okay you have um a lot of your shots have the water, especially like I love how when when you you're take a picture of water, when it's this still image, what it looks like, you can see the little bubbles and the little splashes and stuff. Um, so why water so much? Is there something about it that that you like or is it does, is that just, you know, whatever the story is calling for?
1: It's both. I do love working with water because, well, all the practical effects, because they're practical, they're happening in real time, they're pretty unpredictable. Water seems to be a little more unpredictable than most, like, than doing the dirt and debris or smoke or fog or whatever. Water seems to, it's uncontrollable, basically. But, you know, I've done so many shots with water now that you kind of get a, a, kind of, you can kind of guess how it's going to react, but you never totally know exactly what's going to happen. So just the challenge of working with water and the water in whatever shot you're talking about, it's it's in support of a story. It's part of a story. Right. So I like to think of like every splash. So example, a character, if there's one character splashing around in the water, that splash is almost like the second character. So he, the splash takes on a character of its own and that's the importance that I place on that splash. So I'll take as many shots that I need to take just to try and get that one splash that I feel communicates what I want it to communicate. And in all honesty, sometimes I may combine parts of one splash with another splash to like, if I didn't get that ideal splash, I'll make that ideal splash happen. So right. that's a, that's another case of like compositing a couple of images together to create the image. So again, whatever it takes for me to get that image, I'm gonna do it.
2: And you get the splash of
1: water through a little um, air ca- air can? Yeah, it's basically like the the compressed air that you buy right. at Costco or wherever, just to to clean your computer. Right, and you just put that little red, red straw on the end of it, and yeah. <laughs> it works really good.
2: It does. And is that the same thing for using like on on dirt or something debris? Is that? Yeah,
1: I'll I'll either use that on dirt or I'll just like stand back and throw some dirt into the scene. I do both do right. both methods. Going back to the Batman shot, I see you have it on screen, but I know your viewers won't be see it. So, so Rocky is punching Batman in the face and Rocky has, I just remember seeing these really cool images of maybe like Tyson hitting Holyfield or, you know, two boxers, just one boxer, just like really knocking the guy's face back. And there always was this, like, if, if the photographer caught it perfectly with a really like fast shutter speed you would always see like this huge amount of like, I guess it's sweat coming yeah. off the guy's face. And so that was kind <laughs> of the inspiration for this shot. And so how I did that in the shot was I, I had like a, a little squirt bottle and I stood just back just a little ways. And I was, I use a remote shutter release, a wireless one so that I can be messing around with the practical effects while I'm shooting the image. And so I was squirting like Batman's face with a with that spray bottle. And taking the photo at the same time and that's exactly how i got that and then i erased basically the stream that led up to that splash right so yeah. what you were just left with was that splash coming off his face
2: i love the image um that we have up of the rancor and you got uh,
1: rafiki holding up little baby Simba to him yeah so i originally bought this i i don't know they might be cake toppers it was a lion king like a set of small toys and Rafiki, it was the iconic moment of Rafiki holding up baby Simba on pride rock. And I did like almost like a recreation shot from Lion King of that, of that scene. And, you know, I looked at it and it, it was fine because there were some, you know, it got its likes and whatever, some comments. I was looking at, at it and I was going, why, why is it not exciting for me to see this image? And by the time I did it, it, you know, the movie came out in 95 or whatever. And I realized that it it was so iconic that it'd been seen so many times that it's just ingrained in people's heads. And so there's a huge familiarity with it already. And so I hung on to that toy. I I wanted to get at least one more shot out of it. You can't change the pose, obviously, because it's stuck in that pose. It's one little sculpture. And it was later that I don't remember how I came up with the idea, but I was looking at it and it looked like he was offering it to somebody and that's when, yeah, that's when the rancor came in (laughs) and I I love this one so much more, obviously than the, than the one that I took directly from the Lion King, because this again takes a iconic figure and shows it in an unexpected way, right? which is what I really love to do with toy photography. And I don't know, some people probably hated this image. Some people loved it, but I know for a fact that it made an impact on whoever saw it. so. So yeah
0: like you cross over characters from like different genres.
1: That's right. one of the beauties of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a mashup um, and there's like, what I've learned is that there's a, there's a fine line between what you can get away with a mashup and what you can't get away with it. Of course you can get away with anything and you can do anything you want, but there are some that are just so disconnected that you'll look at it and you go, that was forced. And <laughs> I, I might even say that I've done that, a time or two myself, but so that's the, the caution that's the, that is the challenge of mashups is finding the mashup that, that works seamlessly together. Like when you see it, it's like, Oh yeah, I could totally see that. And that's great. Or one that where you have the opposite reaction is like, that doesn't make sense. Like that would <laughs> never happen. So that's kind of like the, the fine dance you do when you, when you work with mashups, I think. Right.
2: Do you have a ultimate like toy Holy grail that you want to shoot?
1: You know what? I don't think so. Because again, my, my toy photography is based more on stories. So if I came up with a story, an amazing story that required a toy that I didn't have and was hard to get, that would be the Holy grail. I think,
2: Right.
1: you know, the Rancor was a big, was a big find for me. I mean, you know, you get them on the secondary market and they tend to be a little pricey. So that was, and I, and I got so much, I had told, I've told so many stories with that toy, whether it's the whole Rancor or if it's just his claw. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot to be done with that guy. (laughs) So no, I don't have a holy grail. I don't even buy that many toys. That was actually like, one of my questions was like, one is like, do you,
2: are you a collector or two, when you shoot toys, um, do you have to go out and buy them or just, if you're in say, uh, a store like Target or whatever, and you happen to walk down the aisle, does, or you see a toy commercial, do, does that automatically start triggering things in your mind?
1: Yeah, I mean it could. I mean, if I'm ever at Target or Walmart, I'll try to make a point to walk down the toy aisles just to see if there's anything new or sparks my imagination. Like, I actually got some Scooby Doo toys doing that, and they were on clearance. They were like really cheap. They were like six bucks or something. So I picked okay. up some of those and did some toy photos of them. So that was cool. But yeah, I don't collect toys, and collectors would be appalled if they saw what I do with toys. I mean, the first thing I'll, <laughs> first thing I'll do when I get a toy and I'm ready to shoot is I'll start drilling holes in it just for wires. And, right, you know, cause I, when I first started, I would wrap the wires around their legs or their waist and to suspend them in air or stand them up. It's just so much work taking those wires out that way. <laughs> so now it's just, like I have, like I have my kit, my kit has like a bunch of wires, it has my remote shutter release. It has a drill. <laughs> so yeah, so. I'm kind of like Sid from Toy Story. But toys <laughs> are not are not the best place to be if you're a toy. Yeah. You use a lot of smaller
0: figures. Like, do you find it more challenging to use like a six-inch figure
1: or something larger? I would say the more the majority of my figures are are six-inch figures, and then I uh, no, I, actually, I, I think the smaller figures are a little more challenging than than the six-inch figures they're harder to scale with some of the practical effects. I mean, I do it and it's fine, but the practical effects just seem to work a little more naturally the larger the figures are because we all know how big dirt is. Basically we you know, a water splash, like for me, when I'm watching like an old Titanic movie or a Godzilla movie and you see the splash of, in the ocean, immediate debt giveaway that they're working with a like a miniature they're splashing regular size water because the splash is out of scale with the toy with the figure that they're using so i think the larger you go with figures the actually easier it is in terms of practical effects but then of course if you're going with one six scale figures everything is uh, obviously larger so you have to move back and your sets are a little more difficult to work with because you're trying to scale it with with the figure hmm. so it's like you know it, it works both ways so a lot of, I mean, a lot of the stories that I tell, again, like I'll go from the rancor, which is pretty large, to a six-inch figure, to a cake topper that I'll see online that I just think is cool and I want to tell a story with. So, I'll, like SpongeBob was a cake topper. I did a recent photo of Mario and Luigi; they were being chased by a T-Rex, and those were cake toppers. So if I'll just once in a while I'll just check out cake, the cake toppers and I'll see if there's anything, and they're inexpensive. So I'll just check them out and they're never articulated. So you, you right. got to be prepared for like a couple of shots and then you're probably done with them. Right. But one good shot is justification or not, you know, justification yeah. enough for me to buy something.
2: If it's okay. Could you name a few of the
1: clients you've shot for? Okay. So I, I listened to your podcast with Julie Kerwin cause she mm-hmm. was my very, she was the very first person that took a chance on me because I had, it was, I started shooting in late 2015 and I approached her and I I kept approaching her. She was never ready. It took about a year before she finally was ready. She was in a position to say, yeah, let's try it. Forever grateful for Julie for like being the first one to take a chance on a new toy photographer. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Julie is a sweetheart. Yeah. She's amazing. So when we were at toy fair, my wife was there and, and she took my wife, Rachel and I out to dinner and just a really cool amazing lady yeah she's just and i just love i am elemental everything that line stands for you know i have a daughter she's in college obviously if i would if if those were out when she was growing up that would have been so awesome you know my kid was never into barbies she was into Polly pockets for a while that was way before i was shooting toys thank goodness because i would hate to have (laughs) (laughs) i'm not going to say it but I shoot what's around. So, but yeah, so Julie, I am I am elemental was my first client. So 2015, I started 2016 for me was a building year, a building year. I wanted to focus on just kind of learning the craft, developing a style, learning some of the techniques that were unique to toy photography. In 2017, I hit the ground running. I wanted to really start building up my client base. I, I was online and I noticed that well there was a there's a Mattel kind of like a doll, a fashion doll line called Ever After High. Oh my and yeah, I noticed, yeah. yeah, I noticed they started following th- that page started following me. So I immediately sent a private message to them. I didn't know who I was sending it to. And I just said, Hey, I'm a I'm a toy photographer based in Los Angeles. I would love to like if there's ever an opportunity to create images for you, I would love to do it. And literally within a half hour I got probably like 10 minutes. I got a a reply to that private message says, yeah, we'd love to work with you. Wow. And next thing I knew I was in El Segundo at their headquarters just to meet, meet and greet. And I had to, I had a one-year contract with them. Wow. Did you shoot 2017? Monster high as well? Monster high minis, not the dolls. They had these little plastic things. And then, so it was interesting because up until that point, I was always like, like if you had followed me for, since I began photographing toys, it was, I'm always going like, the story is the thing. Tell the story, tell the story. It's all about the story. And so eventually I'd been shooting for a while for Mattel and they said, Hey, how would you feel about creating some images for our Uno cards? And um, okay. So these aren't, these aren't action figures They're really not even toys, right? They're, it's a game. They're, they're two dimensional. They're very, they're cards. And so of course I say, yes, but inside I'm going, how am I, what am I going to do? Right. And so like the first image I created was I had my wife fold these origami swans out of these, Uno cards. There's probably like four or five of them. And I, I bought a bird cage, like a small bird cage, and I had them flying out of the bird cage. And after I saw that image, the final image, I'll tell you honestly, I was I was excited and thrilled with that image as any image that I created with Star Wars or Toy Story. So it was a relief and validation for myself personally that it really was about the story. So it wasn't about the toy, it was about the story. Right. Right. So so that was so that was Mattel. And then the other companies that I'd worked with was Warner Brothers. That was a cool project because those images will never be seen by anybody. They were used as they were used as concepts. Oh wow. And so this this division of Warner Brothers wanted to pitch a certain person that owns a huge property. And so they had me create the images for that and they used that to pitch a TV show. And I don't know if it ever happened or not, but that's what so that was Warner Brothers. That's cool. So Disney was like for toy photography I have a bucket list of clients. Actually it's, I, I really don't, but Disney, if I had a bucket list of clients, Disney would have been at the top of it just because of my past with them. Yeah. You know, I love Disney. I love, I love what the the properties and the creativity that comes out of that company. And I had some contacts still. After all those years, I had a couple of contacts. So I contacted them and I said, This is what I do. What can we do together? And it would always kind of go a little and then it would die. So after multiple attempts, I just figured it ain't gonna happen. I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm gonna keep moving forward. And then Last summer, just before last summer, Disney contacted me and said, yeah, we want you to do some images for Toy Story 4. So okay. that was a fun one for me. And um, that was the image where one, I did six images for them. And one of them was of Duke Kaboom kicking over a glass of milk on Porky. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was that's one of, my, one of my favorite images to date. So that was just cool to create that for Disney. And then most recently is Marvel doing some stuff for Marvel. Very cool. um, Marvel 616, the documentary, right. but also creating some imagery for them. And you probably can't give
2: us too much information about at the moment, right?
1: No, but the trailers come out for Marvel 616. Yeah, I was um, so
2: happy when I saw you and I was
1: like, oh man, that's Mitchell. Whoa. I was like, I couldn't <laughs> believe thanks. it. Thanks. Yeah, that was exciting. And then, so, but November 20th is when it comes out. Okay. So after November 20th, could talk about anything, I'm pretty sure. Excellent. So,
2: so Actually, I wanted to ask you real quick. You were doing. You started your photography, and your daughter played with Polly Pockets. What did she? Th- what did your daughter think? And your wife think originally of toy photography, or or do they? What do they think of it now? Do they think, "Oh, Dad's at work again," or do they think, um, "There, there he is, Dad playing with his toys." Like, is it is it <laughs> just kind of weird, like because it's such a unique occupation that not many
1: people you know get to experience, right? my wife cuz she's an artist she she digs it she just you know we've always been creative it's cool i've always been doing stuff cr- somehow that's had like a creative foundation to it my daughter she's helped me with some shots oh, um she's she's in school she's studying let's see if i could even say it molecular environmental biology it was such a disappointment that she didn't want to <laughs> become an artist <laughs> i'm the i'm like the we're like atypical Asian parents who always want their, you know, like you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a whatever, a lawyer. It's like, please don't. But no, we're we're excited about what she's chosen to do. But yes, I mean, they all they're all very they're both very supportive. You know, dad's doing something different and cool. So that's, that's yeah, pretty cool. I think that, that is very cool.
0: Now, do you see toy photography growing at all?
1: It is growing. I mean, if you look at what's happening with uh, some of the toy photographers out there, my buddy Jack's. His his plastic action on Instagram, uh, he just had a campaign for Foot Locker. Companies are starting to really see the value, I think, that toy photography can bring to them, especially with some of the reach that we have on social media. But for some people, they don't need that reach. Like a, a Disney doesn't need my influence or anybody's influence, really. Right. So when they're engaging a toy photographer, it's just because photography is pretty cool I think and and I think it's still fresh that when you show like if like if Disney uses in a campaign they're they're gonna probably gonna get a lot of engagement and attention from that image just because as I said most people haven't seen it before right so with the shots that you take for a client that is where do they
2: where where are they where are they seen? So we saw like the the Mandalorian on the magazine cover but is it like an you're not doing work that goes on like the the cover of a the the Millennium Falcon box. So, like, are they advertisements or
1: they no? Like- they're mostly used for social media. Actually, Disney was different. Like for the Toy Story stuff that I did, they would go out to the media, newspapers, oh, okay. um, here, UK, other countries, and probably sponsored posts on social media. Okay. I don't think I saw it actually posted on any of their pages. So the internet's um, a big help for you with, with uh Yeah. With I mean, most of the stuff is used online right. primarily. So like Marvel, they'll be using the image that I'm creating to promote the documentary Very primarily cool. online. What advice would you give to a novice, somebody that wants to break in? Yeah. Focus on the story. Really try to, try to develop your storytelling the if they if they shoot constantly like if they're going out and creating images every day that part of it's going to come i believe that part will really come with practice that's the only way to really do it is to to become familiar with the camera the only way to do that really is to shoot a lot you know it's to shoot a lot i remember when i first got my my first dslr was a canon rebel as well and i was so excited this was this was a while ago and so I was excited to go out and shoot. I shot a bunch of like, who knows, I was shooting my kid. I was shooting stuff outside. I came back. I was so excited to get on the computer, take a look at what I got. Every single image was blurry.
3: <laughs> oh
1: wow! Yeah, every single image was blurry. And uh, that's the thing about photography. It's a learning process. And most of us don't go to school for it, right? It's right. like maybe now it's it's like you can look at YouTube, you can... Yeah. There's so many sources online where you could learn. But when I started that, it wasn't hardly even available too. So I was just going out there and shooting and just, you just learn by doing basically. And
2: do you feel that you're still learning to this day?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's the thing with art or photography, you know, art in general. is like, I don't think you ever stop learning. There's always new things to learn, whether it's the storytelling, stuff to learn technically, obviously there's always new gear coming out. If you wanted to, to kind of mix it up with different lenses So, I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about photography is that you're never really done learning with it, right? There's always new things to, to try and challenge yourself with and master. Yeah.
0: Have you ever considered coming out with a photography book? Oh, I've asked him this before, Tommy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've gotten, you know, there's been a lot of people who have asked about it someday, maybe. Oh,
2: that'd be great. I'd I'd buy one for sure. Yeah, definitely is that something to do with more of the rights of the characters that you would have to work out? Or is it just yeah, a matter more of, of a
1: timing? Yeah. timing?
2: Uh, that yeah. would be a really un- cool book to see in the in the store because that's, I don't even think there's really one out there.
1: Um, My nephew, Johnny, he, he has a toy photography book. Oh really? That came out. Maybe a year or two ago. Do you, do you know who I'm talking about Johnny? He's uh, Sergeant bananas. If exactly. you know who that is. He's like one of the guys that he was doing this really early compared to a lot of people. Right. So probably a good couple of years before he got me, his uncle, involved with it. But if you ask a lot of toy photographers like who was like one of your main influences, his name almost always will come up. Have you ever thought about selling the prints of your work? I don't actively sell prints, but mm-hmm. once in a while people will like DM me or email me, hey, can we and I'm set up to sell prints that way if somebody requests, but I I'm not like actively trying to celebrate right. yeah uh, as far as going back to the books like so if if what kind of book would you be interested in would you like just a picture book with all the different images or like a book with the images and some of the behind the scenes
2: exactly i would love to okay. see when i look at your work i love when you have the behind the scene videos because yeah it's like a it reminds me of like cooking you're showing the recipe how you do it And I'm like, okay, he's doing this, he's doing this. and and I see it all, the smoke, this, the, that. And then I see the final result. And it's like, it's like, you know how you, if you've been on the the Haunted Mansion and you see the ghosts in the ballroom, it's the oldest trick in the book is the Pepper's ghost. That's so great though. Right. But when you still see it, you're like, what? how do they do it? And that's how I feel about your work with the behind the scenes. Like I see how you're doing it. And I'm still like, what am I missing here? Because like the, they're just so great. So if I was to read a book of your work, I would love to see um, just information about like what's in the shot, how you set it up, where the idea came from, you know, the the toys involved, uh, those types of things. Um, Cool. Because there's so much in the vault. That's what I actually like also when you, when you put a little bit of uh, information on Instagram about like it was a national donut day. And I remember you put one on, and you wrote a little bit about it, so that's that's also really interesting, just to see where where your perspective was coming from or what what your idea was, because um, you know sometimes you don't get to know what the the artist is thinking, and to be able to, to see that or or to read it is also just like a huge plus.
1: Well, first of all, it's, thanks. But also, it's gratifying to know that that somebody actually reads the captions. Because <laughs> on Instagram, I, I think the majority of people don't. It's it's like on my <laughs> post or even on somebody else's post. It's like, guys, I'll, I'm just using an example. Somebody might post like a sad image. It's like, guys, this is the, the anniversary of when my dog passed away a year ago. And I'm just really bummed out anyway. And then half the half the replies from people will be, great image. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> so I think it's a it's a known fact that most people won't read the captions, but that doesn't stop me from like from writing doing them. Doing length lengthy, I'll do some lengthy ones too. Like you know, this is kind of like what set this scene up, and this is what I used. And you know, I, sometimes I think I'm talking to myself, but it's cool. Whatever. Uh, that,
2: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely people reading them. Um, the I for one, do, have you ever done taken commissions like? where somebody would say, request a specific image. And then- Yeah, I,
1: I tend to lose them at the price part though. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing about being an independent artist is you only have so many hours in the day and so many days of the week to work. Right. And as you start to build your clientele and your career, your schedule gets filled up with like really cool client work. There's a rate, obviously, that they're paying- And so to be able to replace one of the, like one of those days or two days with another project and actually kick somebody else out, it becomes a factor. Definitely a factor. Sure. I got every two shoots, probably not alike,
2: but could you kind of walk us through, um, not a typical, but one, of one photo shoot things that are involved in what you do. And I guess from setup to right before you put it onto Instagram.
1: Sure. I'll just use the the most recent one that's on Instagram, which is the little green man against mm-hmm. the stormtroopers. So I've had the idea for a while, not necessarily with that little green man. And when I say little green man, for those who may not know which character I'm talking about, I'm talking about the character in Toy Story where they're all in that little claw vending machine and right. they see the claw coming down, they go, the claw. So it's one <laughs> of those guys. I knew I wanted to have a character with a with a lightsaber. And I think it was only... Very recently, that I came up with the idea of using that little, little green man. So I have a bunch of those little green men, but I only have one that's semi-articulated. So I use that one, and I knew I wanted to have it against the stormtroopers. So the next stage was kind of posing out the stormtroopers. I went onto my porch, and typically I used to like, I, I set everything up on this like ridiculously thin railing of my porch. <laughs> I, put a, I put a piece of wood on it and a piece of foam over it. And I'm really just kind of limited, I limited myself to the space that I have there, which is probably not ideal, but it's, it's so easy for me to go out to my porch and okay, here it is. I've, (laughs) I've lately just left all the dirt set up there. So I come out, it's kind of like my blank canvas, but it's ready to go. And so I'll just move the dirt around to however I want to tell the story. If I want to put some rocks, I have a bunch of rocks on my porch. That's ready to set up. I have a bunch of little branches I use for trees. If I want to use branches for trees, they're all on my porch. And then I'll just kind of play around and set up the scene. So first it's identifying the story, then it's coming up with the characters, setting up the characters on the porch scene or in the backyard or wherever I'm gonna do it. And then I get all my lights, I set up my lights and my camera gear, and then I just go ahead and start shooting. And in this case, I had two practical effects happening. I can only obviously do one at a time. So I layered them together. But the first one I did was kind of using the compressed air and spraying kind of blasting the dirt underneath the little green man's feet because he's kind of airborne about to do battle. And then I sprayed some atmosphere aerosol, which is like fog in a can in my next shot. And then that's the shot. So typically the photography is almost like the fastest stage of the entire process. Setup can take longer. Editing definitely takes longer.
2: How many shots of each do you usually take? Just like one, or do you,
1: a multiple? Just no, in case. No, it's rarely just one. Like for the dirt underneath his feet, spraying that, I probably did twenty shots wow. just to get different, different like angles and different thicknesses of the dirt coming up. Right. Sometimes I I hit it too hard. The dirt comes up too much, and it almost obliterates. You can't even see the alien. Right. Sometimes it's too little. I want a lot of choices once I get in the computer to choose from. After I shoot it. I'll import it into Lightroom on my computer and I'll do my basic adjustments, cropping and exposure. After that, I'll export them into Photoshop. And that's where I'll remove the wires. I'll do the final coloring of it, crop it. And so for this image itself, this was probably a, a average image, not too complex, not super simple because it had some effects going on. The setup probably took a half hour. The shot itself probably took a half hour editing several hours. So in, in a day, less than a day, I, I was able to create and edit and post that shot. Yeah. But that was an average shot images that are a lot more complex, that they'll have multiple characters airborne. So they are all on wires effects of one type or another, and the setup will take much longer, the photography still go pretty fast. I mean, it could take an hour and then the editing will take a lot longer as well. So it could be a couple day process. But it's all fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, speaking of fun, one of the ways that I've learned that I can gauge how difficult an image is is how many F bombs I'll let out during the <laughs> setup and shooting. That, like, it's like golf. I used to golf a lot, and it's something that you just can't not do. For, like, for me, it's like if I have a bad shot in golf or if a figure falls over during setup and knocks all the other figures down tell you could tell yourself i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let that f-bomb out this time but <laughs> they will <laughs> actually I, I i never
2: would have pictured that um <laughs> that's, that's funny though
1: <laughs> yeah oh yeah the toy photography can be extremely frustrating with the setups right yeah yeah so what does toy photography mean to you so it's interesting First of all, it's a way to express myself and tell stories. But it's really interesting because I went to art school because I wanted to illustrate. So what I wanted to do, what my what my vision was for my career after I got out of art school was to create magazine covers, book covers, movie posters, illustrations for articles inside magazines. And then I I, as I told you, I immediately got off my path. I got in I went into a different direction. And I have no regrets about that because it led up to everything that I have in my life, but toy photography is really almost exactly what I imagined my career in illustration to be. You know, I'm I'm being commissioned to create images that tell stories for magazine covers or for whatever it is, and it's almost like I finally got to where I thought I was originally going to be. Right. So, um, so in that respect, uh, toy photography to me is ultimately ultimately about creativity and tori- and storytelling which is okay. what I've always wanted to do always and it just turned out to be in a different medium i guess i guess you could say it's a different medium but when i look at the illustrations a lot of the illustrations that are happening today man it seems like the majority are done digitally on a wacom tablet i use a wacom tablet i sometimes will draw in my in my toy photos which is never meant to be noticed or recognized. For example, like I have an image of Wally, and he's soaring through the space using the fire extinguisher as his propeller, his right. propellant. But the toy doesn't come with doesn't come with the fire extinguisher. Right. So that that's an that's an instance of me illustrating. Oh no, kidding! Like I, I drew that in Photoshop, basically. Wow. Fire extinguisher. Yeah. Yeah, I never so, would
2: I remember that that one. I never would have thought that.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look like an illustration. It looks like a fire signature, but again, I mean, there's so many things like the lines have almost been blurred between photography, illustration, digital art now. So it's it's pretty cool. the The digital space has made everything very amazing. Very yeah. amazing. What's the future for Mitchell wool Good question. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to keep. You know, I'm I'm really what really drives me is like finding new clients to work with. I, I get it. Get a huge kick out of that is like the client aspect of it from the point of like pitching and negotiating to ultimately creating the images for them. I enjoy the entire process. So I'd love for that to continue. Kind of like a down the road plan I've always had was to eventually do some workshops. You know, right now, right now it's hard, obviously, because of what we're everybody's going through, but what's to go out and travel and just do workshops around the country and eventually around the world? I would just love That'd to travel. Cool. Because the toy photography community is worldwide. There's definitely a lot of toy photographers in certain areas of the world more so than others, but I would love to go to those places and just kind of like meet up with toy photographers, shoot with toy photographers, share stories, hold the workshops that would probably be like one of, one of the goals that I would have down the road.
2: Have you ever thought, um, and and your behind the scenes makes me think of this. Have you ever thought of doing like YouTube tutorials?
1: I have, Perfect. I have thought about it and maybe, maybe someday, I mean, I've been approached by some, like, there's some sites out there that teach, like they have artists on, they, they do mm-hmm. video tutorials and, you know, they charge people. And again, it comes down to what I want to do right now and, right. and what my focus is, right. but like I've told them maybe at some point I'd love to do it.
2: Right. Personally, think, uh, you can find a better teacher. Um, Stormtrooper Pete does a lot of Star Wars related ones. Think, yeah, yeah. I, I think we comment I, we on follow his. each other. Yeah, he's his Star Wars stuff is pretty cool. Um, and then there's a gentleman named Turtle Shooter, which just does the Ninja Turtles. I think it's the Neca Turtles, and he does a lot of great stuff with that. Um, and it's and that's all he shoots is turtles. Yeah, and it's
1: so interesting. The to, to, yeah, I'll to tell you. More I one more. I started in 2015, and when I when I first found my way to Instagram, I've been on Instagram before 2015, but it was only to keep an eye on my daughter's activities on Instagram. Right, <laughs> But it's amazing because when I first started Instagram, the toy photography on there, I think was really still kind of in its infancy. Like it was just starting to come into its own. And if you look at the imagery that was done back then, it was kind of cheesy and crude. It I, That's a general statement, but that's how I feel about a lot of what was done back then. But man, when I go onto Instagram now, it never fails. My jaw, my jaw just drops at the quality of work being produced by toy photographers. It's amazing. Like in four or five short years, the craft has been elevated so high. I couldn't even tell you who I think is the best toy photographer because there's so many of them. And I think part of the reason of that is is because the community is so supportive of each other. Like anybody, like I'll post my behind the scenes. Anybody that wants to DM me and ask me a question about how I did something, I'm more than happy to tell them. I have no I have no secrets. At first when I first started, I was like, "Man, I don't want to tell anybody how I do anything because not because I want to keep it a secret, but because as as you said in the beginning, if I'm a magician, like I'm I'm going to tell you all the secrets and it really in my opinion, like if somebody who's not a toy photographer asks me how I do stuff, I, I'll say I'll tell you, but are you sure you want to know? Because once you know, it's going to take like the magic is cut in half, if not more. When I first saw my nephew's toy photography, it was crude and cheesy, but it was a it was a, a Ninja Turtle on a BMX bike jumping over something, and it was caught midair. And I'm going, "Whoa! How did he do that? Was he like throwing these things and just trying yeah. to capture it at the right moment? Which is what a lot of people think, actually." Hmm. And then when you learn how it's actually done and it makes so much sense, it's like, that would be crazy to try and throw stuff and capture it in midair. It's almost like the simplest ideas really is, is yeah. the answer. Yeah. So for for like, when you look at my shots, if you see the behind the scenes, like everything's wired up on, the, on Duke Kaboom, splashing the milk on Forky. If you see the behind the scenes on that, I have wires like supporting the glass of milk. Every cookie that's on the ground is slightly like it's being shake it's being shaken by the table being moved and it's kind of like they're kind of they're not sitting flat on the table they're kind of angled up like bouncing around every one of those is like propped up with a little wire like i control as much as possible with uh the image i'm creating the only thing i can't control is the practical effect but everything else is totally controlled so that's for me that's toy photography like i'm i'm controlling everything it's my vision there's nothing left to chance pretty much but Again, the where we're at with toy, I can't even imagine where toy photography will be in another five years, just seeing the incredible leap in quality that it's taken in the past five years. It's, right. it's pretty amazing. Right. Pretty amazing. It's a shame People to... that I don't even know, that I've never heard of before. Like all of a sudden I'll see this person from, I don't know, somewhere in Indonesia or somewhere in the UK, all of a sudden it's like, wait, I haven't seen this person's work before and it's mind blowing, wow. you know? Yeah. It's a shame. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's a shame there's not a magazine
2: for it, but I guess it's good in a way because like Instagram, it's right then and there. No, you got to do like you just post it and boom, it's there and then people get to follow it. You know, so so it's probably better in a way. But but there is a magazine.
1: There is a magazine. Really? Yeah, it's called the Exclu Exclu Collective, E X C L U. Like if you, they're on Instagram, but they also. They do print magazines, oh, okay. Once a quarter, maybe. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, this was. Um, I'm really happy because this is something. To, so it's still the same year, but to think that in February when we saw your work in in uh, to, Toy Fair, and then to be able to interview you today is just like it's uh it's mind blowing. You know, like it, it's eight months really of that. Uh, yeah something like that um and it was just uh it's so it was it's so cool and i like i said I, I check instagram every day um and i'm always looking for for stuff when you when you post it so um definitely uh look forward to that and you know um please always feel welcome to come back um with the marvel your marvel project when you're allowed to talk about it and stuff and you know or with with anything you'd like to to give it. um put out some tour photography news. It's, uh, love to hear it.
0: Thank you. It's been a real honor. I mean, I I love it. Yeah. One of the nice things about being on toy lines
1: is we get to meet fascinating artists such as yourself. So thank you again. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just as blown away that, that you're, you know, you asked me to you know, come on your podcast and talk because, you know, it's not, I I don't take anything for granted. I appreciate it all. You know, back to Toy Fair, it's like I don't know if you think about how when we were there, we were there like very shortly before everything shut down. Exactly. I I talked to my wife, and we were all over the city. You know, we were doing tourist things as well. It's like we had to be surrounded by people with, yeah, basically. (laughs) It's just just, that's so true. I was thinking that Um, I was glad to get to go at least one more
2: time because now they're saying maybe in May of twenty twenty one, but
1: nothing definite. Keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh,
2: Mitchell, would you like to let our listeners hear where they can check out your work?
1: Uh, Yeah. My website is uh, www.mitchellwutoyphotography.com. It's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-W-U. It's one L. And then my Instagram is at Mitchell Wu Photography. And Facebook is the same. Twitter is at Mitchell Wu Photo. And the TikTok thing, which I've just recently started getting into, is Mitchell Wu photo- toy photography. Cool. Yeah, very so, cool. Thanks. I don't know if you ever spend time on TikTok. It, it's a trip on TikTok. <laughs> 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 Have you? Have you been on TikTok?
2: No, no. My wife thought she watches some of those things, and it's just like, oh my lord, get! I'm just, I'm just like, get off the TikTok already. Yeah, there's a it, lot. It'll of stuff suck you it.
1: in for a while. It'll suck you in, but the variety of stuff on there is just amazing and not in a good way. I mean, it like okay. some of the stuff is really terrible, Yeah. but um, as a social media, it's the reach is incredible because there's basically, they haven't put in those difficult algorithms. So, you know, you could be nobody and post an image and it'll go viral or a video it'll go viral and you'll have millions of views. So yeah. that's the interesting about it. Interesting yeah. about it.
2: That's true. Yeah. You never, it, it seems like the technology is, um every new um format or i guess is the word leads you to another one and to another one and to another one which means to stay up on the game you got to keep creating and twitter uh instagram this that and ha- have have a foot in all the doors so to speak just to keep uh keep yourself out there
1: yeah i think i mean i know we're gonna end this but i think one area that toy photographers should really like you, there. Everybody's into social media, obviously, mm-hmm. but you cannot ignore the traditional media—magazines, newspapers. I'll tell you, I get a lot of client work from those things. So, mm-hmm. um, you can't discount the traditional media and just focus on social media.
2: Right. No, that's yeah. good to hear too, because a lot of people keep thinking regular, you know. Anything to do, everything's going online, eBooks, you know, either see that, right. but, um, I, I love this. I still buy actual books. Um, I,
1: I, I love that. And so it's good to hear it at, um, just the tactile nature of paper. Yeah. Turning pages.
2: Yeah. It, 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 maybe and we're
1: old school. I think we are. <laughs> maybe. And it, it, they don't, don't run out of batteries, you know, exactly. whereas a
2: tablet will, my, I just need a candle. If I lose power, I can still read my book. You're right. So. <laughs> right.
1: Thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you very thank much, you.
0: Mitchell. Yep, as always, you're more than welcome to come back. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Tom, thanks, Ian. Appreciate
1: it, guys. Take care. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
0: So
2: let's do some news.
0: Thanks once again to Mitchell Woo. That was a wonderful interview.
2: That was excellent. That was definitely uh, one of my bucket this year's bucket list things. Um, learned about him in 2020, and and got to. To to meet and talk to him, so they can get to know him a bit. So what what a great career too. Yeah, amazing. It, I mean, like, his
0: his stuff is incredible. Oh my god,
2: his I love his pictures, and I tell everybody to check this guy out. I know, I, I remember telling my one yeah. friends like, dude, you gotta look at his work. It's just I I like I said, I still I know how he does it from seeing behind the scenes, but I I still am blown away, and um. I guess that's a sign of true talent. I, I love it. There's nothing that makes me happier than just, uh, going on to Instagram and seeing a, a new thing from him because I'm like, cool, what is going to be today? You know, it's so yeah. All right, so let's get into some
0: news. So Disney stores and Diamond Select Toys have joined forces and they're coming out with an all Star Wars line similar to their Diamond Marvel line. No. So their first, their first um, characters will be Boba Fett and Darth Maul. I believe they're out
2: already. Um, my wife saw something of Boba Fett at the Disney store and told me about it the other day. So, yep,
0: like I said, they'll be exclusive to Disney,
2: which is good because. The parks have exclusive merchandise of, when it comes to Star Wars, but really the stores should too, and and hopefully there won't be an issue of finding it. You know, yeah, like I'm glad
0: Diamond is part of it as well. They do yeah, some quality stuff.
2: It's like I was just, I was in Target yesterday, and you know again, like we like we've discussed, it was walking down the aisle and it's like oh no Ninja Turtles oh there's two Ghostbusters but it was you know still it's a it's a bummer.
0: Our favorite crowdfunder, the Razor Crest, is currently at twelve thousand eighty-two backers.
2: Oh,
0: wow! Yep, we need thirteen to get the carbonite cells. So I'm really hoping this happens.
2: Me too. Tommy's gonna buy some just to make it happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's <laughs> Yeah, I need some customers, and Ian. Yes. As of this recording, we have less.
2: In seven days for Mandalorian season two. I know. And uh I was checking it out, um some new some new commercials, and I cannot wait. I did want to watch the first season again before it, and I just never got to. Um not that there's still there is time, but I cannot wait. And I'm glad it's weekly because it um I think it just adds to the show, that feeling of oh cool, tonight's Mandalorian. You know, it's, it's great.
0: Yeah, I mentioned it in season one. I felt the same way. I mean,
2: I wouldn't mind binging it oh, all. Oh, yeah, but... exactly. Then you're done and you're like, oh, what now? Exactly. Uh, but it's it's a good enough show to do it again, to watch it uh, again, because maybe you'll pick up things that you missed the first time. Um, but what a show. I, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And also Diamond Select Toys
0: is releasing a Lord of the Rings Wave 2 action figures of Frodo and a Ringwraith with a a Build-A-Figure piece for Sauron.
2: That's interesting. Uh, I am a Lord of the Rings fan. Very interesting. I I I don't think I've seen... I didn't catch the news on this one.
0: Yeah, Uh, it'll be out soon. The figures look great. No, six inches. I really do like the ring wraith. Yeah,
2: they're pretty wicked looking.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so these will be out soon. Diamond Select Toys also has a Walgreen exclusive mini mates featuring Iron Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, the Prowler, Taskmaster, all based on the Disney animated show.
2: Mini mates are such a strange look, but um you get good poses out of them, and I bet you can do some pretty cool stop motion with it as well. Yeah, they're yeah. More, some they look some like,
0: of them look really cool, like yeah. the Taskmaster. I really they're like, like on this
2: one. They're a more articulated Lego to me. Yes. Lego, Lego figure, I guess I should say.
0: And our favorite company, Super 7, is releasing an Andre the Giant figure.
2: Now, I wonder if they're going to go... Well, this is a rather large one, but... Do you, it would be interesting. Here I go again, a reaction line of eighties wrestling. Uh, because when I was a kid, I watched wrestling in the eighties. I don't watch it anymore, but you know, looking back on the eighties stuff, like it's still it's still cool because it was the eighties, and that would be a pretty cool eighties uh, retro reaction figure line for Back to
0: the Future Day. Super Seven has also announced that
2: they'll be releasing
0: a special edition biff figure
2: mm.
0: with the card back as
2: his hoverboard oh the pit bull
0: yes nice he'll, he'll also come with a miniature pit bull you
2: no know, marty there's uh his son and he's got the out, inside out pockets he's got that like little hat or whatever type of material or shiny Th- those figures are pretty cool looking it's got i think it's got um Biff from the alternate timeline when he married Lorraine. Um, th- th- those are pretty cool. They need to come out with a Delorean, actually. Super Seven. That would be sweet.
0: Might be in the works.
2: It's true. It's true.
0: But uh, here, here's a cute little nod to the movie. Guess how much Biff's figure is? Uh, nineteen eighty-five. Nineteen ninety-nine. Uh, okay. NECA is also releasing another Ultimates Marty figure. And here's one of the cool things about it. He comes with a lenticular picture that disappears the family
2: and reappears the family. That's cool. That's genius. I, I like, freaking love that. So, like, unnecessary that it's necessary. You know, like, who would have thought to put that in there? And it just makes it that much cooler, especially that it does that. It, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, I like Back to the Future.
0: I haven't collected any of the figures, but I'm considering getting the Ultimate Marty figure just for that picture. <laughs> I mean that that is such a great gimmick.
2: That that really is, uh, and I love a gimmick.
0: The Lego Batwing will ship from Lego stores on November first, and will retail for one ninety nine. And then McFarland Toys has announced a variant maskless Flashpoint Batman.
2: Have you seen this? This is. a I love uh, this figure. I saw, I think their Flash one. Is that the Flash point? Yes. And it's got the bolt, like kind of like the, it's not a lightning bonus, but it's like, I guess, the yellow of his outfit trailing behind him. That figure's so cool looking.
0: Yeah, McFarland's really upping the bar on his, their DC line.
2: And it says here, they're uh, My Hero Academia. is getting three types of figures. Small, medium, and a one fourth scale big figure with lights and sounds pretty. This is actually pretty interesting. They're coming out with a role play of <laughs> Katsuki Bakugo, his Grenadier bracers, which are available in spring of 2021. And if you don't know, Tom, if you don't know what they are, they're basically like, they're kind of like these gauntlets He wears that like right. he fires his, his powers out. And if you want something funny, go on to YouTube, type in um Bakugo. Screaming, and you'll just see clips of him yelling. He's just the f- like the funniest like meltdowns, this kid. Um, yeah, it's very funny stuff. Good show.
0: Manicom Toys has released images of their Jean-Paul Valley Batman and so
2: a- 90s and a
0: Ben Riley Spider-Man. Yeah,
2: everything's coming back. That but... mask is actually pretty decent. where they. Really. This is actually it... it's a very well. Because they had him before, right? This was a this toy was out before. They, somebody created this character. DC Direct, yeah. right? So this is a, a well done toy. Yeah, yeah.
0: This looks like something out of uh, a Joe Quesada image. That face know. looks like a like a
2: comic drawing. Yeah, like you know, it's right out of the book. That's pretty impressive. And then well, he's pretty articulated. Ben yes. Riley, that is.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, I love the detail on, on these guys. Even I mean, Me- yeah. MediCom's doing some really good stuff. Yeah. You know, you, they got the double joints on the knees. I mean, that's pretty standard now, but...
2: And elbows. And, you know, it's got that um, section at the... I guess the abdomen and chest, so you can kind of, like, maybe have them do a backflip more proper um, if you wanted to do the... Uh, just posing, you know, have the body in the correct shape. Like if you watch a gymnast do his routine, um, this figure looks like you'd be able to uh, compensate that, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I love the massless stuff too. Like the, on, especially on the Ben Riley, right? Like that that wrinkled up Spider Man yes. mass that yes. he's holding on
2: to. I love that. It looks just like a piece of cloth. Yeah, exactly. Which is which is new in a way, right? They've never done that before. I think,
0: um, or
2: I think New Marvel. Order.
0: I think yeah. I think Marvel Legends did something similar, hmm. but not nothing to this
2: detail. Hmm. Bride of Frankenstein, She's going to be playing the Bride of Frankenstein.
0: Yeah, it's gonna. From what I read, it's gonna be a weird, like, modern take on it.
2: Oh boy. Uh, so you know, it, it kind of worries me when they make modern versions of the classic monsters um the mummy did not do well uh you know i don't know, Frankenstein's a he's a classic and 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 of frankenstein is even more so a classic so i i hope hope they don't do anything stupid with it but
0: adam's family
2: oh this is interesting
0: going to have a tv reboot with tim burton and go and Millar the same mm-hmm. geniuses that made smallville but here's now, the thing Based on the synopsis, it's supposed to be the point of view of a teenage Wednesday.
2: Right. Though so here's in here's what's interesting. I read he's supposed to direct every episode. So I don't we, know. We, which I is heard interesting. Just producing. If if that if that does happen, that's very interesting. Um the, I know they were shopping around for networks. It looks like it's gonna be on Netflix, which is my preferable channel because i don't have any others except for disney plus um and it's kind of funny to think because I, I like the adam's family movie that just came out recently was pretty good it was kind of from wednesday's wednesday's perspective not 100 percent though so it would be interesting to see this take on it um but also it, it's almost like um lydia deets from beetlejuice uh because she was kind of like the Wednesday character of that movie. And when Christina Ricci was aud- auditioned for Wednesday for the nineties Adams his family, that was kind of her inspiration was um, Winona writers, Lydia Dietz from Beetlejuice. So it's, it's kind of back to each other.
0: It's funny that you say Christina Ricci, cause I really hope this isn't a rumor, but she may be up for the role of Morticia on the show. Too short, right? Nah, I don't know. Isn't she I, I, isn't she short as an actress? Her height I, wise. Oh, well, they can always make her taller. But that's true
2: too. I I think this is a good casting. You, you were like I was. I was just kind of th- behind it, thinking who they would cast, and she did appear in in uh, his Sleepy Hollow. So will he be using you know uh previous a- actors that he's used before? That would be pretty cool. Usually, you know. Has a tendency to do at least one. Um, It would be interesting to see who who gets cast for what. And you know who else would be great casting? Ian Rami
0: Malik. I recently saw a picture of him as Gomez. I could totally buy it. That that is great casting if they can get him. Oh yeah,
2: he's um he's very talented. He was in the played Freddie Mercury, um most recently, and I could see like i could picture him in my mind as a as a young gomez so that would that would be pretty cool that's that's very good casting there talented guy uh that's cool simon
0: kingenberg of transformers fame is ready to create a battlestar galactica movie and tv show that's a lot on one plate especially for the battlestar Galactica (laughs) live action but or live action
2: yeah well, it's pretty heavy special effects. Um, but, you know, it's good to see shows getting back to it. Like, they're Stranger Things is filming again. There's a lot of set photos. So I'm glad to see things back in production. Um, you know, and, and they, they even show them off, you know, while they're standing. They got their masks on. So they're taking the necessary precautions. Um, and... You know, we could discuss Stranger Things another time. So I have a couple of theories on that, from what but I've seen. But don't you but. think it's overkill though? A TV and a movie? Uh, one could be leading into the other. Maybe the movie leads into the TV show. You know, it's like first they do that as like a pilot kind of thing.
0: But I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what would be the point. I mean, uh, movies are hard to make right now. People don't want to really s- go out to the theater. Yeah. I mean, why not?
2: just skip well, over the movie go right into it, the TV show but the movie could be a Netflix movie made for TV movie you know it doesn't mean it's going to be in a the theater um and it also means that it that it, it w- doesn't mean that it won't doesn't mean that it will you know um it will it, you know it'd be interesting to see where it lands um you know for instance uh, boy uh, i don't want to get off topic but just for a moment so Halloween is this coming weekend, and I watched a great uh, horror movie this weekend. And I'm not really into horror, as you know, it is a Korean movie called Hashtag Alive on Netflix. It's a zombie horror movie, zombie play kind of thing. What an excellent movie. And it's subtitled and English dubbed and all that. The zombies have a new have a great look, they're fast. They can kind of remember things like how to open a door or whatnot, but um, they're you know your typical zombie. This movie, uh, the ending, because you get so captured by the you, you know you want to see the, the character survive, and I swear the ending it was like a tearjerker. I wanted to cry at the ending. It was it's a really great movie. Um, it's not gory which is good you know like when the zombies attack you never see gore but they are cool looking so they're kind of freaky looking but they're in a new way so anybody who likes zombies hashtag alive netflix um tommy if you're bored you know you need to watch something hashtag alive um but now back to toy now back to the 20s
0: <laughs> so x files from chris carter is creating an animated project to resolve the season 11 cliffhanger. So far they have not uh, gotten Jillian Anderson to reprise her role, but David Duchovny's Fox Mulder will be back.
2: I'm happy to hear about this. The uh, the confirmation of the Willow TV show for Disney plus. You know, I I like Willow. I think it's, it's a great movie. Um, Nice inspiration from Lord of the Rings. It's uh, Val Kilmer was great in that movie. Uh, Looking forward to see what they do with it. Ron Howard will be involved with it somehow. Of course, Warwick Davis is back. Uh, Warwick Davis is great. Um, I believe John Chu is directing. Directing. Right. So this this is going to be a great show.
0: Um, I hope. The only disappointing thing is, uh, do you really think they'll get Val Kilmer back? I mean in, in uh, his condition. In,
2: yeah. Uh well they could use him. And then they can just write something about him. Maybe he became a king of an area or whatever. You know, they can they can do something about it.
0: So, yeah, but um, well, I mean uh, I I hope the best for him, but Yeah.
2: It, it was, he, he's great. He's a he's talented. He's great in that movie. He's talented. He was a, a good Bruce Wayne and Batman. Um, the movie itself had, you know, something's wrong with it. But he, as an actor, he's he's extremely talented.
0: Right. I'm just thinking in his present condition, but
2: yeah, okay. I, I'm
0: wishing him the best. Though. Yes. Yes. Jared Leto is coming back as the Joker for the Snyder. I'm not even going to call it a Snyder cut anymore. I mean, it's four hours long. They're doing reshoots. I'm going to call it Snyder's second take. (laughs) Wasn't too crazy about Jared Leto in Suicide Squad. So I'm – this is my first very big concern for the Snyder. The fact that they're doing reshoots? No, just the fact that they got Jared uh, Leto back as the Joker. I didn't – I'm – you can yell at me all you want. I I was not a fan of his Joker. I don't believe his character was Joker appropriate, but the nice thing is Joe Montanello from Deathstroke will also have a larger role in the Snyder
2: reshoot. I wonder if they're using material that was originally cut out of the script, never filmed and, you know, put back in or is, is it newly written material? You know, i'm sure yeah. once it's released we'll find out mm. uh there's two speak of the joker um this is pretty cool It's coming out um so the if i pronounce this i apologize incorrectly i apologize to kyoto dc comics the joker amazing yamaguchi Revoltech. This is a six inch scale figure uh crazy articulated it has two faces Multiple, multiple interchangeable hands, machine gun, a toy gun, a cane, little. Um, they look like a, almost like a star for a bullet bullet effect. Um, denture bombs, um, a lighter effects, and the stand. Dig this, now, Tom. This toy has movable eyes, with comes with a pick to move the eyes around so if you want to have them in a certain pose i i can't imagine well if anybody's gonna get just gonna be japan they got to the point to be able to articulate eyes on a toy well mezco's done that oh well, have they really
0: with their 89 uh, michael keaton batman
2: it's crazy so um if you were to buy this in japan it would cost you eight thousand three hundred 300 yen whereas in the u.s it's going to just be 79 dollars Um, It comes out March of 2021. Alongside of that is the Harley Quinn amazing Yamaguchi Revoltek. Uh, I cannot say this word. Ami Ami, I think. Color exclusive. This is in February 2021. She's five and a half inches. $97.99. 40 points of articulation, including the eyes. She has three faces, three sets of hands, a bat, a mallet, roller skates, and some comic effects like, um, you know, like like the laugh or something like that. And then finally, for you Monster High fans out there, which um, apparently, uh, being that you know mainly we cover action figures, we don't sometimes talk about you know dolls. But Monster High fans um, seem to be pretty upset that their toilet, their doll line got canceled and. They're coming out with two new ones. Um, I believe there's gonna be a, a line after this, a new one, but these are um gonna be on Mattel Creations, and they're based off of horror movie characters, much like Monster High is. Uh, so so you have actor which is a female version of Pennywise from it, um, and then you're gonna have Another one that's going to be based off the Shining, of the Grady twins. You know the two little girls in the hallway. These dolls will be sold um, together. Uh, the twins are seventy four ninety nine, whereas the Pennywise figure will be fifty nine ninety nine. They're at Mattel Creations. Um, pictures are online on different sites if you want to see them. The Pennywise looks pretty cool. Um, the twins is just so so, but um. It's uh, it seems to uh, they seem to be selling already, from what I've read on online. So, awesome, and that about wraps it up. I just
0: want to give out a special thank you to Brian Salvatore. He is working overtime on some of our other projects. So, Brian, thank you for your talented music.
2: Yes, when you hear the when you hear the music, you're gonna you're gonna like it. I know I, I've been listening to it a lot. Thank you to the shared universe podcast studio.
0: Thank you. Uh special thank you to Scott Knightlick and his Spectre Creative. Please join the conversation with us at toyspodcast at gmail.com. Listen to us on all your favorite podcast platforms: Apple, SoundCloud, Podbeam, and iHeartRadio. Please subscribe, give us a rating, or do both. All the pictures that we've discussed with Mr. Wu will be up later on on toylines.com, toy-lines.com. Follow us on social media, at Toy Lines on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, at Toy Lines, or Toy Shelf Magazine.
2: Uh, Very, very special shout out to Mr. Wu for coming on the show today, taking the time away to to talk with us. I really enjoyed it. I hope to have him back soon. I'm Tom Romero. I'm Ian Westoff. Play with your toys. We'll see you take, next week. Take care. Hi, I'm Marvelous Joe. And I'm his twin brother, Johnny DC. And together, we host the Dynamic Duel podcast, a weekly show where we debate who has the superior characters between Marvel and DC, which we help prove through stat-based simulations of battles between your favorite Marvel and DC characters. We also review the latest Marvel and DC films to hit theaters. We'd love to have you come listen as we have a blast every Tuesday. Check out Dynamic Duel at dynamicduel.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Did you watch the X-Men cartoon as a kid? Did you buy Spider-Man number one the day it came out? Did you collect superhero trading cards and action figures? Then have we got the podcast for you. That's right, it's wizards the podcast guide to to comics, comics the exciting show where adam that's me and michael that's me will take you through the 90s comic book boom through the pages of wizard magazine one issue at a time we have so much fun reliving that crazy time of chromium covers and speculative comic book buying Plus, we get to see where this whole hubbub about superhero movies really began. So we invite you to join us every other week on the Retro Network podcast feed. We can't wait to go back in time and uh, flip through those comic books you used to read. So we'll see you then. And until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded.